what? What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. I just uh, tried to record before, and I said my name was Nick. My name is not Nick. I'm Brian. I'm joined with Nick, our, on, our usual co-host, and we have a new co-host named Richard. Um, Richard, if you want to introduce yourself. Uh, so, yeah, um, my name is Richard. Uh, grew up in Long Island. Um, so, I'm actually a Dallas Cowboys fan and a Toronto's Raptors fan, but personally, growing up in New York, I've always had a soft spot for the Knicks. So, you know, they'll always be my special team. But, I mean, other than that, um, love, love the game of football. I think it's beautiful, and I love the game of basketball, too. It's... <laughs> that's great yeah we that's all i do adding new people so it's nice to f- have our third person so i guess we'll just go right into it um so baseball wise um news came out well it's not really news i don't know how you really describe it but the nationals owner basically said that they're not going to keep both anthony rendon and steven strasberg um i basically i kind of did a video on this for our youtube but Coming from a Mets fan perspective, I hope they sign neither because I want them to be bad. But um, if they really want to go for it again, I'd personally sign Strasburg. Um, obviously, there's a few concerns from when it's a pitcher. There's injuries, and you see towards the end of contracts, they start to lose um, performance and not play as well as their beginning of contracts. But for Anthony Rendon, he's always been a really good player. Well, like an above-average player, and he's kind of been under the shadow of Bryce Harper for a while, and this year he finally broke expectations, and obviously Bryce Harper wasn't on the team, and he played to a whole new level, which I do expect for him to continue, but there's also a worry with signing a, a player to, people are saying seven years, $260 million, if he's going to play the same way that he played last year. So I think it's really all about consistency for that. I don't know if either of you guys have any opinions on that. Um, like for me personally, I definitely agree with you. Strasbourg is the way to go. Keeping both players obviously would destroy their salary cap. Yeah. So they, they definitely have to choose one. And I'd go with Strasbourg. I, I, I'm always like in, in favor of pitching over anything else. So going with Strasbourg seems like the right move to me. Um. The, like, yeah, I, I see the whole pitching thing. The one thing that I have with that, when the Mets did their whole uh, thing revolved around pitching, their whole rebuild, like, I always thought that it should be around hitting. But when you have a talent like Steven Strasburg, it's hard to come by in baseball, which is why I think he's a big piece to them. Uh, going from there, some, I guess, Mets news. So, Zach Wheeler signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I also did a video on this. I think that Zach Wheeler somehow turned in turned into a player that people are overhyping. Um, he had, like, an okay season last year, but last season was supposed to be the year where he became that elite pitcher after the second half he had the pre- this season pre- before, and he never did, and I really don't expect him to ever become that pitcher and I think signing him I think it was five years 118 million or something like that um is pretty much an insane amount of money I think he's like 29 years old so yeah he's young but I don't think he's worth that and I think the Mets made the right move I don't know why people 
in the Mets universe are old, like saying that the Mets should have won after him. I really don't see the reason. They have enough pitchers, and I feel like they could find another fifth uh, starter. Um, then to Mets ownership. So news also came out that Steve Cohen, who was a minority owner, I think he owned 5% of the Mets, something like that. Um, he worked out a deal or is in the middle of working out a deal. I don't know if it's official yet um, of becoming a, the majority owner and he'd own 80% of the Mets. And usually, I mean, that's not big news for other teams, but for Mets fans, any way to get the Wilpons out of ownership is something that we never thought would happen. Obviously, the Wilpons have been for years not willing to spend any money um, to get any big names to the Mets. And Steve Cohen already said that when he becomes owner, he's willing to spend a lot of money. But the one caveat to the whole deal is that Jeff Wilpon and Fred Wilpon are still going to have their their roles uh, for five more years, I think. And um, that's still a good amount of time, so there's still some waiting to be done with that. Um, Nick, you want to talk about the Yankees? Uh, sure, yeah. So... Uh... You know, coming into this offseason, it was pretty obvious the Yankees wanted Garrett Cole. And the rumors have been swirling around. They were going to offer him a massive deal. And today kind of broke what that deal is going to be. It hasn't been confirmed by the Yankees yet, apparently. But I did see the MLB. They posted about it on Instagram. So the offer is that the Yankees are going to offer Garrett Cole seven years, $245 million, wow. which is a ton of money. Uh, personally, I think he's worth it. He's 29. You know, it, it's similar to a CC deal back in 09. Mm. You know, getting seven years out of Garrett Cole would be good. I think as a pitcher and the stature that he has, especially coming out of this season, he's definitely worth the money. Yankees need pitching desperately. Um, it's all it's all really going to depend on what like the team. I think the the A's, not the A's, um, the Angels. The Angels are offering him too. I think there's another team waiting to offer him. So I'm sure Garrett Cole is going to scout his offers and see what he gets. Um, the Yankees are the Yankees. They're, they're going to – I'm sure Garrett Cole will go back to the Yankees because he's going to be interested. He's going to somewhat just disclose how much the other teams offered him. And I'm sure the Yankees will counter-offer even more. I expect the offerings probably to end around an eight-year eight year $300 million contract, somewhere in that range. Um, a lot of money, but I definitely think he's worth All right, so audio just cut out. So, um, Nick, continue on. Uh, sure, yeah. So, you know, going off of the fact that they're going to offer him an eight-year, $300 million contract, I think it's worth it. The Yankees pitching hasn't been good for the past few years, and the Yankees are set to lose pitchers like Hap and Tanaka over the next couple of years. So, you know, pitching is going to be even greater of a need. So getting somebody with Garrett Cole stats around the roster is really important. So I think he'll be worth the money. Yeah, I think there's definitely a point that, like, even if he might not stay at elite level for all of his years, you still have to be willing to spend that type of money to get a pitcher like Garrett Cole. Um, from that, I guess we'll go into football. So, first, I guess, before we get into the rundown, we want to talk about Antonio Brown a little bit. Um, Nick Slash, Richard, you want to... Um, sure. I, I, I put it down, so I'll, I'll start. But uh, So essentially, Antonio Brown, he, he's still a free agent, as, as we know. And he's constantly posting about on Instagram that he's he's sorry for what he did. 
Um, and it, it, he's making it pretty obvious that he wants to come back to the Patriots. He, he references the Patriots a lot in his posts. Um, personally, I think the Patriots should sign him. They lost tonight to the Chiefs. We'll get into that a little bit later. But the, the, the Patriots need some offensive firepower. And I think if you can sign Antonio Brown for even a one-year deal and see what he gives you, I think he'll be worth it. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I totally agree. Um, oh, did I cut you off? I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, no, go ahead, But yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, I think it's ridiculous that people are saying, or that media is even, is, is even talking about the Patriots dynasty possibly being over, but... Um, I mean, like right now, they're still a ten and three team. Um, they're gonna make the playoffs. Um, I think they could really use a player like Antonio Brown, especially if you watch like the last couple of weeks. The Patriots really been pulling out like all the trick plays, and like honestly, these are the plays where they're getting most of their offense. So, like if 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 their offense is at a point where they have to resort to flea flickers and all this, I guess all these trick plays, like using a player like Antonio Brown could be huge, especially in the playoffs. Since this guy has, he's got the experience. Um, he's hard worker. We've, we've all seen him like work when he's in the NFL. Like this, this man shows up, he does what he has to do and he performs on the field. And this is, this is someone that the Patriots offense could use right now. Yeah. Um, a while back I had a whole Antonio Brown feel when all of this stuff was going on. And a lot of people know I'm not an Antonio Brown fan, but <laughs> I was watching the end of the Patriots game, and it did. They seem like they need um, another offensive player. Obviously, I don't watch them all the time, but Antonio Brown is a talent, but he's also very much a risk for a team. But I do feel like the Patriots could definitely use him, especially with their offensive struggles this year. Um, from there, I guess we'll do the rundown. So, um. The Falcons and Panthers played. The Falcons totally beat the Panthers. What do you guys think? Um, I think this comes down to... I think this is a big coaching thing. Um, I think the Panthers did make a mistake in firing Ron Rivera um, this late in the season. I feel like they, they, they aren't maybe one of the strongest teams, but I feel like they still have a chance to compete this year, and the fact that you, I feel like by firing Ron Rivera, you pretty much gave up on your season. You know, having to bring in a new coach and either having him adapt to another coach's philosophy or having to pretty much turn around in a week or in a couple of weeks trying to learn a new system. Like, this is this is all, like, tough on, I feel like, all parties involved. And, yeah, I mean, Panthers do not deserve that win, I guess. Oh, the Falcons won, actually. Oh yeah, I mean the Panthers deserve to lose. I got yeah, <laughs> they don't. They don't deserve that win. Yeah. Uh, just going off of that, I, I sort of agree with you, Richard, but I sort of disagree with you in terms of. I, I do think that Ron Rivera is a good coach, but I, I'd say that his tenure in the Panthers just was not working out. The Panthers, I guess, ownership was, was tired of, of being mediocre for so long, and the, the reason they fired Ron Rivera, um, at least in my opinion, is the fact that they just wanted to get a head start on the coaching search. They wanted to be that first team that really has first dibs at a new coach. Um, I definitely, I'd say that they probably weren't expecting to make the playoffs or make a deep run this year, especially with Cam Newton now on the IR. Um, so yeah, I think they're just trying to get a, a jump, a head start for next year. Um, I definitely say obviously they do deserve to lose. That they, they're kind of a team that's doesn't really have an identity right now, especially without with an interim head coach. 
But again, like the Panthers have talent between Christian McCaffrey, who's borderline MVP caliber player this year. Uh, Kyle Allen's been, he hasn't been great. Definitely going to need uh, a longer period of time before we can really judge how good he is. Um, and, you know, Luke Kuechly. So the, the team definitely has some talent. It's just, I think they've been so mediocre with Ron Rivera for so long. They made one Super Bowl and uh, obviously they didn't win. Um, so I think they were ready to move on. On, on the Falcons side, uh, the Falcons are such a weird team for me because like they blow out weird teams. Like I, they blew out the Saints, and they have. It seems like they have talent. They just can't seem to put it all together on a consistent basis. And as, as I said in the past podcast, I think Dan Quinn might get fired at the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think especially this year in the NFL, we're seeing a lot of. Um, coaches like deciding games um i feel like a lot of there have been a lot of major like injuries and like i think this year like coaching is very highlighted and i think between these two teams coaching was probably the biggest issue on both team on both sides and i guess just having more time and you know experience with that squad the falcons were just able to come out with that win yeah um Obviously, you guys know I don't have much to add on the football end. So, from there, um, the Ravens and Bills played. This was a game that people were wondering if the Bills would probably be able to show that they're a legitimate team. Uh, they ended up losing to the Ravens. Um, go ahead, guys. Um, I mean, you want to start? I can start. I don't mind. Yeah, go ahead and um, start on all of them. <laughs> I, think, um, I think the Bills are a really underappreciated team this year um obviously i say that because they beat the cowboys so you know i'm inclined to say that a little bit but um yeah i mean everyone's saying oh i mean these bills like when will they beat a good team and show that they're competitive but i think i think um the fact that they stay within seven of this ravens team that has you know lamar jackson potentially could be a generational talent you know um he's about to smash that michael vick record um i mean yeah this guy is has been playing lights out. I think he should MVP is either between him and Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, but I mean the Bills played well. They held him to twenty four points, stayed within one score, and yeah, I mean, well, it was a re- really well played game by both of them. And the Ravens, Lamar, he got the league MVP in there. So what can you do? Um, yeah, I totally agree. On the Bills side. Their defense has been phenomenal this year, and, and Josh Allen has taken leaps and bounds in terms of his performance this year. He's, I'd say he's second in, out of that draft class in terms of quarterbacks next to Lamar Jackson as of right now. The other side, the Ravens, best team in football as of right now. They're, they're so hot. Lamar Jackson's MVP caliber. It was a, it was a pretty good game to watch. Um, the Bills are definitely a playoff team, and so are the Ravens. So, uh, you know, I, I guess, as Richard said, you know, if you're the Bills, you lost 24-17. to 17. It's only a seven-point difference. It's not that bad. And on the Ravens side, you know the Bills have a really good defense, so this is like a good good game for both teams. I think I think the Bills could potentially make not not a deep playoff run, but I, I don't think they'll get knocked out immediately, uh, especially because their quarterback is just so young. Um, I think just give them. I think this year just go to the playoffs, see what you can do, and then worst case scenario, you know, come back next year. That defense is going to still be there. Um, hopefully, Josh Allen will get better, and from there, I mean. 
I think the Bills got a good future. I, I think they're also coming up on a good time when the Patriots are, quote-unquote, I guess, declining. So this is a perfect chance for them to take that division, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I do have something to add for that. Um, I was talking to my brother about this. Uh, so obviously the Patriots just lost, and the Bills lost too. But, like, I always have this weird thing when it comes to, like, generational teams like the Patriots, and especially since the Jets are in that division. Like, I don't want the Bills to beat out the Patriots because then I feel like there's a new powerhouse, or I, if you guys understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Spoken like a true Jets fan. Yeah, true Jets fan. <laughs> I don't want there to be a new team that we have to battle against, and I want it to keep on being the Patriots till the Jets end up beating them out. There's always a time for something, so we'll see from that. Uh, from there, uh, the Bengals played the Browns. The Bengals ended up losing and not getting two wins in a row after they beat the Jets. I don't know how that happened. Um, so yeah, I guess we go. Uh, I mean, I had I was so high on the Browns this year. Um, I think I think that was I think that's one of the issues that they're really struggling with this year. I feel like they came in with new head coach bunch of new guys and everyone's relatively young um the, like they're they're not a bad football team i think they just just need a couple years and i i think everyone needs to calm down and like they just were riding a lot of hype coming into the season mm-hmm. and like this this game should have been a win honestly i think it's a lot closer than it should have been um but man uh these cleveland browns i i think they have a good future as long as everyone uh stays calm the organization is has a really good future, and I mean, putting up 27 points in any NFL game, no matter who you're playing against, is very, very impressive. So, props to the Browns. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the Browns do have a good future. There's two things about the Browns. I mean, one of that I've said in the, in the past podcast is that really, I think coaching is their issue. And, you know, if you can if you can get the right coach in there, like you could definitely turn the Browns around. I also think like ego on parts of like Baker Mayfield's would definitely help. Stop doing less commercials. I said that before. <laughs> Um, but interestingly enough, the rumors that Odell wants out of Cleveland, that should be interesting. Um, me personally, it's so hard to tell, like, whether he wants it or not, especially with Odell Beckham, because everything around him just, like, you hear one thing, you hear nothing, you hear another thing, you you really don't know what the truth is. Mm -hmm. So the rumor, the rumor is from the media is that he's axed out of Cleveland via, like, talking to other coaches or what, what it may be, other players. Um, but on his Twitter, he posted the other day, he talked about how he's, he's happy in Cleveland. He just wants the team to do better. Um, I, I guess I'm more inclined to take Odell's response as, as fact over media. Although Odell could be lying on Twitter, but you know, when you get, when you get rumors versus what the player said himself, I guess I'm going to take what the player said himself over, over rumors from the media. Um, what are your guys thoughts on that? I mean, I think... Odell has shown us like time and time again that when he gets emotional and he gets a little hot in the head, like he he'll do something stupid. Uh, I don't I don't think he really wants out of Cleveland. Um, if he truly does, I I think he should like step back and give it another thought. I think like Cleveland is a perfect place for him right now. Like there's so much young talent on that team. They have such a good future. I think they're just missing maybe a couple things and like you said, coaching. Um, I'm honestly not even too disappointed at how Freddie Kitchens is doing this year as a first-year head coach. Um, yeah, I think that entire organization, I think they just came into the season with so much hype and pressure that they just started crumbling. I think everyone has to remember that they 
are they were not a good football team the past couple of years, and all of this happened very suddenly, and everyone is expecting them to be, I don't know, playoff contention team at least. But I mean, let's not remember like these are still the Browns. They're coming. They've come a long way. They still have a long way to go, but they have a good future. Everyone just has to calm down and yeah, just keep playing football. I guess. Yeah. Um, for the Odell thing, I read an article. He had, I don't. Know, he had some like odd comments and very vague. He basically said, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but he said something to the point that. I can't say I want to stay here, but I also can say that I am here, so I really don't have any comment about it. And talking that vague about a team that you're on shows shows me, at least, that he doesn't like what's going on with the Browns and probably wants to leave. I feel like he definitely is making a mistake with that. That's What happened to his whole... Um, what's the word? Um, image this offseason um, when he left the Giants and how that all went down. He definitely took a hit to his image and coming into this season where he was supposed to lead the Browns to do great things and he hasn't, just leaving the Browns in the dust is not the way to go about it and I think he has to at least ride it out one more season. I think that could kill his reputation even more if he just out immediately, not even finishing one season. It shows no lack of trying to win. Uh, from that, let's see what is next. Um, the Packers beat the Redskins today. Packers are now 10-3 and three, while the Redskins are 3-10. and 10. So, Packers definitely a playoff team. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, everyone knows that that man is talented. I, I think he's the most gifted passers so far that we've seen. I think Patrick Mahomes might get there soon, but as of now, I say Aaron Rodgers is the best throwing quarterback I've ever seen. And, um, I mean, the Redskins, not a good team. Uh, this was, I guess, kind of expected. Um, I mean, the Redskins are also one of those teams that I feel like struggle a lot with mediocrity. They're always just one of those 8-8 eight and eight teams. I think when Kirk Cousins was on that team, they for like three straight years, they were went like 8-8. Eight and eight. Or had, like, one tie or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> no surprises there. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and the Redskins are the Redskins. Both teams still have a lot of stuff to figure out, though, I think. Um, I think the Packers are one of the top teams in the NFC, and I think they have a... I, th- I think I think I want to I wanna see them play the Seahawks in the playoffs. I think that'll be a good game. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Like the, the Packers have been doing well behind Aaron Rodgers this year. I think the Packers' biggest issue is going to be their lack of depth at the receiver slash tight end positions. Um, obviously, they have Jimmy Graham, and he, he's he's more in the decline now, but he's still solid at where he's at. Uh, but in terms of wide receiver behind Devontae Adams, they really haven't had much this year. Um, Scantling's been a right for them, but he hasn't been doing too much this year. So again, like the lack of depth, at, especially on the offensive side for the Packers, has been an issue, and that's why they're a ten and three team versus maybe an undefeated team. You know, ten and three is not too shabby. Uh, don't get me wrong there, but and their and their defense, as I've spoken before, the Packers have done nothing but pretty much build their defense over the past couple of years. So their defense is, is in position to do well come come playoff time. It'll be you know won't won't be too much of a weakness for them, which it has been in the past. Um. On the Redskins side, that organization's a mess, and it all really comes down to bad ownership. The Redskins just don't have good ownership. 
they haven't found a head coach that they've been satisfied with for a while now. Uh, yeah, the, Res- the Redskins are just total mess, in my opinion. You know, going off what you said about uh, Aaron Rodgers and that receiving core, I, I, I honestly don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still completing, what, 60-something 60, 60, 60 percent, 64% of passes. Um, hold on, I have the numbers right here, but... Uh, 3,260 yards passing, 23 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, 102 rating. I mean, like this guy, I don't, I don't think, I think he's, I think the quarterback position is really intriguing in sports because it's one of those positions where if you play well enough, you can truly elevate the level of your teammates to the point where they are now considered to be elite players. I mean, like you've seen Tom Brady do it countless times with no-name receivers. Um, I think... Aaron Rodgers is also one of those guys like I feel like his entire career he never had like a a true number one or someone he could always rely on like a Randy Moss or you know a Calvin Johnson but I mean this everyone knows he's one of the most accurate passes ever it, it doesn't matter this 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 guy is going to complete passes and score on you no matter what yeah. um, from there uh, the Vikings played the Lions obviously the Vikings are trying to get one of those playing playoff spots, and the Lions are basically nothing this season. So, go ahead. I mean, back to Kirk Cousins. Um, he's not playing so mediocre anymore, but finishing seventy percent of passes, um, twenty-four touchdowns, four interceptions, hundred twelve rating on the season. I mean, um, I did not think he was going to be this good at any point in his career, but. Um, this guy's making me eat my words. I'm happy it's on the Vikings and not the Redskins. But I think um, I think the only thing that really stands in the Vikings' way right now is the Packers. Um, like that's just going to be an impossible division to get out of. And the Lions, I mean the poor Lions. I was I think Matt Stafford has potential to be a good quarterback. Um, he's so tough. He has the abilities to make plays. It's just. I think I think they just need more pieces around him, and they better do it quick because Matt Stafford is not getting any younger. Um, yeah, totally, totally agree with you on the Vikings side. Kirk Cousins has definitely played above expectations in terms of his career. Uh, the Vikings started off kind of slow this year, but they definitely heated up. When you have a receiver core with uh, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, Treadwell, uh, Treadwell, don't forget Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, yeah, so their offense has been pretty good. They're one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. So, you know, on the defensive side, they're not shabby either, right? Uh, Everson Griffin, you know, you can go on and on. Um, but, yeah, the, the, so the Vikings are a pretty good team. Um, I guess they're kind of like the Bills in terms of we're going to have to see what they do in the playoffs because they're kind of getting hot at the right time towards the end of the season. So we're just going to have to keep an eye on them. On the Lions side, I don't also agree with you there where they need more pieces, and I don't know if Matt Patricia's – really the answer at coaching either. In terms of, like, when you look at the Lions' offense, right, it seems like their offensive line is is really where the issue is at. They haven't really had a fire uh, a firepower running back yet or something to really pack a punch since maybe, like, Barry Sanders. Um, so that might be a good addition for them. In terms of wide receivers or receiving spots, they, they have Hawkinson, and he's been solid for them. Um, Kenny Galladay, I think he's been a really underrated receiver this year. He was like second in touchdowns in terms of receiving. So I, I think like he has 
decent wide receiving core with it was Marvin Jones right behind him. I think he. Def- I think the offensive line is probably the number one spot where you got to address. And I wanted to say, didn't they draft an offensive lineman this year? They either drafted a center. I can't remember exactly what they drafted. Yeah, or was it two years ago now? Um, yeah, but I would definitely say address, address that offensive line would be the number one key for the Lions, and on top of take a look at maybe coaching. I think um, you know having Matt Patricia on your team. I think is I think I think it could be huge, um, especially because you know he seems like a Bill Belichick coach. I mean, he seems like Bill Belichick on the defensive side of the ball, and we all know like Bill Belichick can really shut down your offense. I think the next step for the Lions is just. Um, I mean, they probably know full rebuild. Full rebuild. I think they should start with their defense first if they want to keep investing in Matt Patricia. But otherwise, like start putting pieces around Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. From there, um, probably one of the best games of the week. Uh, the 49ers ended up beating the Saints forty-eight forty-six. Both teams obviously in playoff position, so definitely an important game to talk about. I don't know. These this this 49ers team reminds me a lot of the Colin Kaepernick 49ers team. Like <clears throat> I can't say that they're not a good team because they're 11 and 2 and that defense is also just so good and Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing pretty pretty well but I don't know. It's just something about that team just seems so off about me. Um I think I mean the Saints are obviously a great team. 49ers are playing super well but something tells me that the 49ers won't either either won't last long in in terms of they're like there's at some point this season I don't think they're gonna make the Super Bowl um I think they're too young I think they'll get knocked down in the playoffs and I don't think their future is as secure as most of the fans hope I honestly hope I eat my words I hope Ka- I mean Kyle Shanahan's a genius um I hope Jimmy Garoppolo has a great career that defense has potential to really be like a generational like defense um but yeah, I mean, it's just something about that team is off to me. Um, I, I guess I can kind of see what you're saying. I don't know. I, I think that the like, 49ers definitely have a lot of good pieces. But I, I definitely think they have a lot of holes, too. But they've been playing well, so I can't really talk about them. Um, in terms of, like, the Saints, they're, I feel like both of these teams, it was, it was like a Giants game. I mean, like, both, both teams were Giants. This could be like possible playoff rematch. We'll have to see. You know, if you play these teams ten times, it'll be. I think it'll go five and five. <laughs> um, I really don't have much to say. I mean, both teams are phenomenal, and it's funny because I, I on there's this uh, account that I follow on Instagram. It's called NFL Poll Nation, I believe is, is the that, and they did a they do like uh, like a tree poll, and it's like this team versus this team. What team has a better X, Y, and Z? Um, <laughs> And and they go through the entire NFL. And long story short, the the top two defenses in the NFL voted by the people who follow the account were the Saints and 49ers, and they went 48 and 46 today, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, I think this game came down a lot to coaching. Um, Sean Payton, I mean, he uses Taysom Hill like, I don't know. He, I've seen Taysom Hill do everything this year. And mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Shanahan brought back the fullback, like, these two schemes, I think, are just, like, they're just so powerful. Uh, there's so much talent on both sides of the ball for both teams. I think this game really showed us, though, um, when it really comes down to it, between teams as talented as these, like, it's, it's just going to come down to your offense. Um, like, both defenses are obviously great, and 
still 50 to 50 or 50 game i mean what can you do it's just going to be down it's just going to come down to i think offensive execution and coaching play calling um from that the jets and the dolphins game finally something i can give a little bit of information on um so i guess i'll start with that the jets the jets ended up pulling out a 22 to 21 victory if they ended up losing to the dolphins twice this season I don't know if I could still be a Jets fan. Uh, I would be a Jets fan, but I, you know, I got to say that. Uh, so right now the Jets are 5-8. and eight. Still in playoff contention. Definitely. Um, that was sarcasm. I don't think they're in playoff contention. Uh, I like to focus towards the end of the season when the Jets are out of playoff contention, how, like, the younger players do and the players that are supposed to be their centerpieces. So um, Sam Darnold... Had a pretty okay, it was average game, 20 for 36. Obviously not the most efficient that you'd want from a quarterback. He did have one interception, um, but definitely better than weeks past when he throws up like three, four interceptions. So that's definitely good. Robbie Anderson had another good game after last week's good game as well, getting over 100 yards. I've always kind of been down on Robbie Anderson. Um, He's proven me wrong the last couple of weeks. I just feel like he's been overhyped um, and just never really has done anything that great to me. But if the connection between Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson continues, definitely keep him on the team. Sam Darnold needs all the help he can get with the roster that the Jets have. Um, I guess I didn't really mention, which I should have mentioned. Uh, what's Do you know Ficken's first name? Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. Um, oh, uh, Sam Ficken? Okay, Sam Ficken. Uh, I don't really pay attention to kickers, but he ended up getting the game-winning field goal uh, for the Jets. This I don't know if our view, our listeners remember, but in the beginning of the season, the Jets couldn't figure out their kicking situation. I think the first kicker they had, they like basically pulled off someone's practice squad or something like that, and he was terrible. But Sam Ficken has so far done okay. I still wish they signed, kept Jason Myers because, for those who don't know, I went to Maris before NYU, and Jason Myers was from Maris, so that was pretty cool to have that. But I guess I digress from that. So you guys can go off of that. I think this season, um, I think this season, honestly, is a win for the Jets. I think they've shown good flashes throughout the year that they can stay competitive, um with good teams um i think sam darnold has a good future i think he just needs a couple years in the league i think he could develop into um a good quarterback someone who you you can rely on to win you games um i think you know you have Le'Veon bell right now i don't know if you're gonna keep him but i don't think you ever have to worry about the running back position too much because it's just so easy to replace in the nfl um you got good pieces on defense um i think just give the Jets a couple of years. They're also in a very tough division this year. They just have to wor- work out some of the, you know, consistency issues, some coaching stuff, and I think in a couple of years, the Jets will be very good. I think they'll be in the top of that division competing. Uh, going, off, uh, going off of that, I was just going to say that with how the Jets are playing right now, I think Adam Gates has definitely bought himself another year. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was like, fire him, pretty much. I'm I, I said... I still don't know if he's the solution, but with the Jets being five and eight now, I think he's he definitely bought himself a, a, another year. 
Um, you know, we'll have to see how the Jets do. They, they have, like, like I've been saying on the podcast for, for like a month now, the Jets have some good pieces. They, they just really need to put it all together. Like you, you spent all this money on free agency. You had your draft picks. It's about time for them to start winning. And, you know, whether it's the coaching situation or they just need time, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, with the Jets being 5-8 right now, I would definitely say they bought themselves the end of the year. I wouldn't be that happy with this, this win in particular. You only beat the Dolphins by one point. Um, I'd be okay with the win. Obviously, you don't want to, you, you don't prefer to lose, especially with how the Jets are at 5-8. Um, you know what, though? I, th- I personally believe, no matter what, like these guys on the field are still like football players. Like in the NFL, a win is a win, no matter who you played against, no matter what the what the score was. The win was the win. I think the Jets. I think the fact that it was close against the Dolphins puts a little more pressure on the Jets players, just because they're the Dolphins and they're known as not being a good team. I think everyone did expect the Jets to win this game. So coming into you know close game like this against a division rival who you did lose against too earlier this season coming out with a one-point win still a win like I th- i'd say jess fans go take that and celebrate celebrate okay yeah i don't know if i'll be <laughs> celebrating it, but yeah sure um from that actually there was more, one more thing i wanted to add um off of what nick said i i do agree that he's bought himself he bought himself another year speaking about adam gase I still just don't think he's the right coach for them. I feel like they brought him in to be a Sam Darnold, uh, make him really good. And Sam Darnold has shown definitely improvement, but he still is struggling. And I was thinking that, like, towards the end of the season, he was going to become, like, a really good quarterback who you can trust to make plays. But there's still some times that his decision-making is not the best. There was a few times in the game today where... And it's happened the past few weeks where he has an easy first down, like he can just run for it. Like you have like an easy seven yards to get on a run and he decides to throw the ball long and lose their first down chance on a third down. And I think some of his decision making is still not the best. And I think Adam Gase was supposed to be that fixer and he still hasn't been, but I guess I'll give him another year because he has gotten them to five and eight. So yeah, um, of that next year. Load okay. Buccaneers Colts probably really not that big of a, uh, much of an important game. I mean, both of them are now six and seven, so there's still a chance for the playoffs, but I don't really see it. I mean, the Colts kind of got screwed over by Andrew Luck. Um, love that guy, by the way. I think I was really hoping he'd play longer, but. Um, I think I think the Colts and the Bucks are both they're both kind of teams that also lost their identities this offseason. I think the Bucks have been searching for that for a while. Um, I think both of these teams are just they they just have no direction right now. They don't know where they what they're doing. Um, they're just I think going to be stuck at mediocrity again for a while. And I mean, until something really big happens for either of these teams, they they've been relatively quiet this year. Um, yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree there. As I said before, I don't think Jameis Winston's really the answer with the Buccaneers. He's been too inconsistent over his, his five-year tenure in the NFL. I think it's time for the Buccaneers to look at a new quarterback, whether in the draft or whether they want to trade. Most likely to draft, but... And the Colts, too. I don't know if Jacoby Brissett's the long-term answer. He hasn't been too bad this year, but if, if, they wanna, if these teams want to build identity for themselves, they have to start with the quarterback position. 
I do feel that both teams have solid coaches. Um, you know, Bruce Arians is his first year, but a six and seven team that really doesn't have an identity, that's not terrible. You can definitely build upon that. And, and the coach, 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 he, he's been, you know, he, I think he's proved himself um, throughout a couple of years. He, he's a good coach and he, he can, he's able, you know, right? He, he's able to, um, he's able to coach a team, especially when he had Andrew Luck, so. I think the Colts do have the upper hand uh, against the Buccaneers just because their O-line is so solid and they do have good pieces on defense. But, I mean, we, we still have to see a lot more out of these teams before they can enter any real conversation of, honestly, any anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and a surprise win for the Broncos, they ended up beating out the Texans, which definitely hurts the Texans when it comes to playoff contention. I mean... For the Broncos, they're basically out of it. But it was a really solid game for Drew Locke. I mean, Drew Locke's been phenomenal the past couple weeks. Um, uh, I mean, he's made his first start, I think, last week. Um, he hasn't been playing badly. Um, this, I mean, the Broncos are winning, and that's really all you can ask out of this kid. So um, they beat, you know, a good team in the Texans this week. You know, um, 38 to 24 is a big win against a good team. I mean, they they don't have much riding on this season, I don't think, but um they they, they have a good future. I, I think I think they should be really happy with how they played this week. Um yeah, I, I totally agree there. Uh in terms of Drew Locke, I, I have like so the two quarterbacks that I knew weren't like really big out of last year's draft but I believed in was number one Gardner Minshew and Drew Locke. Um uh, I, I followed both of them throughout their college careers, or towards the later end of their college careers, when they came into draft attentions. And I, I believe I both I believe both of them have like really high ceilings. But I think that Drew, you know, for the Broncos to continue with Drew Locke, I think it's a really good decision. And uh, you know, as it proves that again, they beat the Texans, really good team today. Uh, Texans could easily be a playoff team. So um, I think the Broncos are again like in, in in a coaching search, and that's really their problem. I think that. They, number one, I think they're going to be coaching, and I think that, that they have to continue to work throughout the draft. Um, their defense is, is really aged. Chris Harris Jr. is towards the end of his career. Von Miller's like midway through, but he's still Von Miller. You know, he's going to be solid for them for a while. So I, th- I think if they just address whatever they need in the draft, um, wide receiver maybe, you know, uh, offensive line, they're not horrib- too horrible at any certain position, but they can kind of use help anywhere, so it really depends what the, the Broncos management wants to do in terms of the draft, but yeah, again, like coaching draft, that would really help them. And with the Texans, you know, being eight and five after losing JJ Watt to uh, the IR and trading wage Davion Clowney, um, I, I think it's it's a testament to the the coaching the coaching in the Texans is, is pretty solid. Um, they still have, they still have talent outside of that, and Deshaun Watson is the real deal, uh, MVP caliber player, and he's one of the, he's one of the major reasons they've been eight and five this year. I think uh, going back to um, Drew Locke, um, I mean, I think this guy is actually going to put the Broncos front office in a very, very difficult position this this offseason just because he's playing so well towards the end of the season um, where there's not much meaning. Um, I mean, if you were the GM of the Broncos and you go into this draft knowing you have this guy, Drew Locke, who you really don't know how he's going to do. We only have, he only has two games so far under his belt. He's only going to have a couple more by the end of the season. Um, I mean, this guy with a couple starts versus 
you know, draft, maybe bring in another guy, bring in some competition. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tough decision for them just because in totally investing in Drew Locke could be catastrophic for them. They might have to turn back to either veterans, uh, and we know how that could be horrible for a team. Um, or if they draft, if they draft, I don't know, backup quarterback or someone to bring in some competition, that that could just be some draft capital they could have used somewhere else. I mean, I think I think the quarterback position at Denver is going to be kind of wishy-washy for the next couple of months. So I guess we'll just have to keep watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, another game that really doesn't quite matter: uh, the Chargers Jaguars. Chargers ended up. Blowing out the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew's return to starting. Um, definitely a disappointing game for Minshew, and Philip Rivers had a really good game. I think both of these teams are really disappointed in themselves. Um, actually, the Chargers are... I think they came into the season with very high hopes, but they, they, they've just had, have not been able to stay healthy. Um, I think Jacksonville is one of those teams where they, they were such a good team just a couple years ago, and it seems like they... They like the team is pretty pretty similar. I it seems like they're just missing a couple pieces. Obviously that quarterback position, but I I I really don't think they're a bad team. I think they have the potential to really come out of that division strong in a couple of years, especially because that that division is so weak right now, uh, relatively. So yeah, I mean we'll, uh, the Jaguars hopefully can that defense hopefully can get back to where it was a couple of years ago, and hopefully we'll see Philip Rivers back. To make try to make a run with the healthy Chargers team next year. Um, so going run off what you just said there, I don't think that Phil Rivers is going to return. I do think they're gonna try to. Either, I don't know what they're gonna really do with him. They they may let him go, um, and move on and start rebuilding because or just draft a quarterback. We'll have to see what they really decide to do. But I feel like the Chargers have good talent, you know. But and their coach is not terrible. I think that. Philip Rivers has been inconsistent this year, and I, I think it's one of those teams that's struggling to find their identity. Um, they've been too inconsistent this year. You know, there was also a lot of high expectations on the Chargers this year. I think coming out of last year, uh, they just they haven't performed up to expectations. And on the Jaguar side, I think that they should stick with Gardner Minshew in the long run. As I said in last week's podcast, they should try to find a way to trade Nick Foles. I think that Gardner Minshew is good, and they should really stick with him. I just think he needs time. He, he's a player that likes to improvise a lot. Um, and, you know, even if they wanted to keep Nick Foles and keep Gardner Minshew in behind him for a while so we can learn. Uh, Gardner Minshew, high ceiling, has, has a lot of talent. I think he just needs the, the coaching on an NFL uh, level for him to really exceed. He's kind of similar in terms of, I guess, like a Patrick Mahomes where if he sits for the first two years, he might benefit, or the first year he might really benefit from it. Um, but he, obviously he's, he's been, he's been he's started this year's uh, coming off of Nick Foles' injury, and he's shown a lot of promise. So I, I think that they should go with him in the long run. Um, and I don't know if there's definitely needs to be a coaching change, but something's got to change with the Jaguars. I, I really don't know what it is, whether it's like talent or coaching. So I think that quarterback position is probably killing them the most. Um, probably also just their offense in general. Um, other uh, other than Leonard Fournette, I'd say is pretty subpar. Um, yeah, also very true. Yeah. They could they could really use some wide receivers. Um, I think I think they'll have a decent spot in the draft this year. Um, they they could definitely make, especially if Gardner, Gardner Minshew plays continues to play well. I think that'll really help out this team. Uh, I think I think that 
that would truly make them just a couple pieces away from being a very good team in the league and honestly maybe even from being from contenders because we all know what that defense could do mm-hmm. from there um titan graders ryan Tannehill can for at least me continues to surprise that he still is actually a talent um he had a really good game for the titans uh for the raiders it was definitely a disappointing loss I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be an interesting case because I think him, he, he just turned 31, so this is this is pretty much quarterback prime. I mean, I think the, uh, a lot of quarterbacks hit their first prime around, I'd say, 26, 27, maybe even a little earlier, but that that's mainly based on basic understanding and just using your athleticism, and I think around 30 to 35, uh, a lot of quarterbacks will get another um, they'll they'll just hit another just huge improvement. Um, I think guys like Tom Brady they they just have huge magnitude of like understanding of the game, which makes it so easy for them. So um, you know he just has so much experience. He just reads the defense. He knows exactly where the ball's going. I think Ryan Tannehill is hitting that second peak right now. Obviously, we don't know uh, how good he will be, but I think he's starting to understand the game a little more, and the fact that he's in a, on a new team, new system, maybe uh, he feels a lot more fresh. Um, he feels like he can, you know, start something up again here. Um, I think Ryan Tannehill has good potential to be the future quarterback for this team. Nope. Sorry, my phone froze. That was weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. Like, I think on top of what you said, I think that him having competition also at the quarterback spot, which he really hadn't had for a while in, in Miami, is really helping him too. Um, I'd say that Ryan Tannehill is probably the way the Tennessee Titans are going to go. I will have to see where Marcus Mariota lands in the off season. I assume they trade him. I think the Bears are in a pretty decent market for a quarterback, it's looking like. So that's a hot team, whether like Nick Foles or Marcus Mariota or whatever quarterback might go there. Um, something- I think Marcus Mariota could be very a very good fit with Matt Nagy. I think mm-hmm. just knowing how, how much of a genius that guy is, um, if he has you know Marcus Mariota's legs um, with that offense, I think he could try to come up with something very, very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Totally agree there. And on the Raiders' side... I think they're a team that surprised a lot of people. No one thought they were going to be that good. Um, but the seems like they lacked a lot of talent on the roster this season. Um, Josh Jacobs has surprised. He's been a very good uh, player. He might be rookie offensive player of the year. We'll have to see how that ends up. But uh, Jay Gruden's doing a pretty decent job with the Raiders. I don't think they're a playoff team, but they're like I think both teams show some promise um, that they really did see at the beginning of the season. So the fact that they're ending the season on a positive note, I think it's, it's good for like Titans Raiders fans. It's good for the organization, so we'll have to see where both teams go in the future. I think for the Raiders, it's good to see Derek Carr playing well again. Um, I think John Gruden is being very smart by stockpiling draft picks now instead of trying to win now, especially because you know the Chiefs are coming out so hot in that division right now. There's, I don't, I don't think there's really a point for them to try to compete. I think it's just going to be a lot harder than it has to be. So, I mean, Derek Carr is playing decent. John, we all know John Gruden can be a great coach. They got plenty of draft picks coming, so yeah. I mean, watch out for that division. That that division is going to be very, very good in a couple of years, even better than it is now. 
uh, from that. Chiefs, Patriots, um, definitely one of those blockbuster games of the week. Uh, Chiefs ended up pulling out the win against the Patriots. Uh, very important game in terms of in terms of seeding for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean this. I, this just goes back to what the Patriots have been struggling with all season in um, just not having enough offensive star power. Um, I think Bill Belichick really has to sit down and think about what he's going to do with his offense, um, especially you know p- potential roster moves. I think are um, in order. Um, I think we all know Bill Belichick can come out one week and score 30 on you, and then next week score three on you and still win in a defensive matchup. So um, I think I think once playoff time comes and Bill Belichick is really just locked in and just locked, just watching film 24-7, I'm, I'm sure the Patriots' offense will be just fine, but I think this game should go as a wake-up call. If, if, if the other games haven't already been that this offense definitely needs some work right now. Yeah, I'll take next place for right now. Um, um, Nick, are you back? Now I am. I don't know why my phone keeps freezing. That is so weird. Okay, um, yeah, so I, I definitely agree. Like, the, the, I wouldn't worry if I was the Patriots. Um, on the Chiefs side, they're kind of getting their momentum back after having Pat Mahomes out and a couple injuries. They've had a rough start to the beginning of the season, but it seems like they're finally finding their finding their footing again. Uh, on the Patriots side, I would say that it's kind of interesting when you look at who they've lost to so far. You can look at it two ways. Uh, so when you look at their losses, right, you have the Houston Texans, 8-5 team, playoff team, most likely. Uh, you're going to have the Ravens, 11-2, and one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best right now. And now you're looking at the 9-4 uh, Chiefs. So you have, you have three very solid teams they lost to. Um, so you could, again, you could either take it one of, one of two ways, and I'm not really sure which we're highlighting right now, so I'll leave it open for you guys. Um, so one, you can look at, okay, they've lost to the worst teams, that means they're not as good as those teams. Um, but at the same time, it's like they've only lost to the, to the best teams, so that means they're a pretty solid team. Uh, I, I guess if I'm going to look at it, I guess the, if you're, if you're going to look at it in terms of, like, this is the Patriots, right? Um... Uh, they're they're going to be a playoff team, and the Patriots are at their best in the playoffs most of the time. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna take these losses and they're gonna learn from them and they're gonna improve upon themselves. So the fact that they've lost in the regular season versus the postseason is is really important. Um, I'm back. Yeah. I guess I can take this one. Um, I would probably look at it as. The Patriots losing to the best of the best is probably a sign that they're not. They're definitely a good team, but they're not up to the caliber of those other teams. And I feel like if you're losing to such teams of such talent, those are the teams you're facing in the playoffs. And you're losing to them. Um, I feel like it's going to repeat itself. I shouldn't be saying that as a Jets fan because I learned many times that the Patriots. End up doing the exact opposite, but I'm going to stick with it right now. I think the Patriots. Um, I mean, oof. I mean, I, I think this is one of the most fun Patriots teams to watch, just because there's so much intrigue around it. Um, but uh, the Patriots. I mean, they they lose to these good teams. I think these losses just 
all highlight the need for offense. I think they've, because they just have been beating all these other teams, but just losing to these very good teams, I think it just shows that they they are able to compete and they're just missing that key offense, that, that key on offense that will, I think, help them go over the top and, like, be, become a real contender this year, if, if they're not already, you know? Yeah. Uh, next game, a uh, team that's getting hot at probably the exactly right moment. Uh, the Steelers beat the Cardinals this week, 23-17. Steelers go to 8-5, and while the Cardinals are at 3-9-1. and So, obviously, for the Steelers, a very important game. I mean, Mike Tomlin, uh, once again... Continues his no losing season streak. Um, I mean, the Steelers are they they they've been going through a lot of stuff this year. Um, I think Mike Tomlin really sh- like proved how good of a coach he is by not having a losing season this year. Um, I think I think this team will have to go through of some sort of rebuild in the very near future. Um, I I don't, I don't think. Um, they're at where they really want to be, especially coming out of the AFC. So, um, uh, I mean, six point over the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray's been playing very well. Um, it's a really tough. The Cardinals have been getting much better. Um, yeah, I mean, this was this was a really fun game to watch just because there's so much. Um, it's just another two two more teams with so much intrigue around them. There's you, you really don't know where where they are, how good they really are. And it was just one of those football games. Uh, yeah, so going off the Steelers, I definitely agree that they're going to have like a reboot, uh, rebuild soon. And then Mike Tom is a great coach. They they hardly have a quarterback. Um, they, their roster is kind of depleted over the past couple of years in terms of you know losing Antonio Brown and losing Le'Veon Bell. We lost Ryan Chazier. There's been there's been so much talent lost in that roster, and they still haven't really gotten worse in terms of a win loss record. But again, like that, that, that just goes to show that Mike Tomlin's a really good coach, and I think that they're, they're in a decent position to start the rebuild too. They have good young talent, especially on their defense between Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, T.J. Watt. They've been really good for them. Uh, on the Cardinals side, uh, as I said before, I think the Cardinals have they have a solid coach, and they have, they're a really young team. They have a lot of young talent. And if it, with, the, with the record that they're at, I think they drafted really well. They're one of my favorite teams that drafted out of, out of last season. Um, I think that they're only going to improve at 3-9-1. Uh, they're, they're probably going to get a solid draft picks out of that. So they're only going to get better at, at, over time. Uh, the Cardinals are not a team that's going to win now, but if they, you look, they'll slowly improve over next year, and then the year after that, they might become a playoff team. Watch out for Kyler. Uh, from that, uh, Thursday night football. I guess I probably should have started with that, but whatever. Um, the Cowboys lost to the Bears. I'm sure Richard's not happy about that, so I'll let Not you very know. happy. All, all, I, all I'm going to say about this game is um, fire Jason Garrett. <laughs> if, if, if the Cowboys do not fire Jason Garrett at the end of the season, even if we win a Super Bowl, if, if, if Jason Garrett is still in that locker room at the end of the er, at, by the beginning of next season, I will refuse to watch a Cowboys game until they do. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> you can hold that. You can you can hold me to that. Um, yeah, I I totally agree there that Jason Garrett is really one of the larger problems. He needs to go. The only thing I see Jason Garrett do is clap. <laughs> um, I think their new offensive coordinator was a quarterback coach last year. I think he's been pretty solid for them. I, I, <laughs> I've only watched a few of the Cowboys games this year, 
but from what I've seen, their their offensive schemes are pretty solid. Like the, I don't know how they compared to the the now compared to like the beginning of the year, but at the beginning of the year they had a lot of motion. Yeah, I think um personally what happened I think happened is as Jason Garrett's seat got hotter, I think he started taking on the play calling responsibilities again because mm. if, you, if you look at the beginning of the season there was a lot of motions it was a lot of what Kellen Moore was explaining or I guess previewing in the offseason uh what what his offense was going to kind of be like but then as soon as as soon as they started losing games Jason Garrett got in a hot seat it, it just really went back to last year's offense just stalling not being able to finish drives you know throwing at random times when we should be running running at times we should be throwing like I, I think it's just all falling into Jason Garrett's lap right now. Mm, totally agree there. Um, and on on the Bears side, I think I've talked about it a lot. Is that they have good coaching. Their defense is, is really good behind Cleo Mack. I think it just comes down to they, they need a quarterback, and that's really going to be their solution to their identity. At seven and six, if you think about it, the Bears are seven and six with the team that they're at right now. If you have a, a solid quarterback on that team, they're a playoff team. You know that, that's an extra two three wins right there. Strictly just how bad Mitch Trubisky's been this year. So I think that's really the solution there. And then on the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys have a lot of talent. And I, again, I just think it's Jason Garrett. He's got to go. They need a new coach in there. All right. Uh, last game hasn't been played, obviously. Um, tomorrow night, Giants go up against the Eagles. Have... What about Seahawks-Rams? Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did I forget one? Uh, they're playing tonight right now. They're, they're playing right now, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's ESPN's fault. It wasn't there. Okay. Yeah, Seahawks-Rams. Go for it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm expecting the Seahawks to just take this. Um, I actually totally forgot this game was on. I'm checking the score right now. <laughs> it's fourteen. To, it's fourteen to three, I believe. Uh, All right, so the Rams are up fourteen to three. I guess I'm I'm wrong, but um, I don't know. I even at fourteen to three, I'm not counting out the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson mm. is just too good. Um, I think I think Russell Wilson by himself is a lot better than some of these NFL teams out here. Um. Yeah, I mean, don't count them out yet. 14-3 before the half, plenty of football to be played. I think I think the Seahawks still have a great chance of taking this game. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with that, yes. You know, Russell Wilson's right behind Lamar Jackson with the MVP race. Uh, Seahawks are a really well-coached team. I wouldn't count them out. The Rams have been really mediocre this year. They've been really inconsistent. I think that's been their, their problem. Um, I, the only thing I can really take away from the Rams this year, you know, there's a lot... Of inconsistency around them, but I think that Todd Gurley and his knee issues are really, are really a big problem. He hasn't lived up to to what he was last year, and it was a big fear coming in this year. A lot of people feared that his his knees were not going to give him what he needed to, in order to last whole season. And I think it even showed in the beginning of the season, and it's continuing throughout the entire season. They they've significantly lowered his amount his carries. Um, and when he's out out on the field, he doesn't look as explosive as, as he once was. Yeah, you know, I, I watch a decent amount of Rams games, especially because I, I picked up uh, Todd Gurley as my running back slot because he fell in my lap, so I took him. If you just watch Todd Gurley, he does not look like the same player. He, it looks like he still has the same vision. It's just he really can't act upon the holes that he sees because his his body just won't let him. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think this team, um, Todd Gurley, unfortunately, I think the unfortunate truth with Todd Gurley is just that he's playing a position that requires you know a lot of. It requires you to sacrifice your body so often. Um, you're not going to last very long, and especially the type of running that Todd Gurley does and his history of injuries. I honestly don't know if he'll ever return to that elite status again. Um, and I think Jared Goff, 
really, really being exposed this year as not being as good of a quarterback as everyone thought he was the last couple of years. Um, his his touchdown to interception ratio is pretty much one um, on the season. Um, yeah, I mean, um, the the Rams should be a much better team than how they're doing right now. I think they're really struggling with consistency, and I think that stems from the quarterback play. I think I think Jared Goff. Um, really has to work on his game a little more. Uh, I think if he can get to that point, I think the Rams will be a good team again. Mm. Okay. Uh, from that, Giants-Eagles, I guess. Nick, I'm sure you want to speak a little bit about that. Sure, since Giants are my team, if you didn't know, Richard. Um, <laughs> the, the Giants suck. Let's keep losing. Let's sit safe on for the entire year. Let's, let's uh, tank for Chase Edwards. Eagles, I hope they do well. I would like to see the Eagles win the division. <laughs> Just because how bad the coaching is at the Cowboys. I'm also, like, I, I go to school in Philly, so if the, if the Eagles were to win a Super Bowl, since the Giants can't win it, if the Eagles win it, we'd have a Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl parade here, and that would be fun to go to, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate Philadelphia, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a personal vendetta against that city, but. <laughs> um, I think, you know what? New York Giants at Philadelphia Eagles. Eli Manning is coming back for his first start. You know, I think I think the New York Giants should just come out and win this one. Honestly, I mean, I'm a little biased because obviously I need the Eagles to lose, but like, I think I I truly think um, with Eli coming back and you know be, it being a division game, um, I, I I don't think I I think the Giants have this good energy behind them this week. Um, I think Eli Manning coming back is going to be huge. Um, I, yeah, I mean, we'll see if Eli has beaten the Eagles countless times. The Eagles have beaten him countless times. Um, think this game could really go either way. I think it's just going to be one of those classic NFC East games where it just gets ugly. Mm. I have to say, I would be in total shock if Eli Manning comes out there and just looks amazing. Like that would be (laughs) insane. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I think he does. Yes, <laughs> you still you still cut Eli Manning at yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, I like, I, I don't care. Eli Manning could come out there and look at like top prime Tom Brady. The amount of salary cap that he he is hitting on us, he needs to go. <laughs> you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, Eli? I do. I do not think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer either. <laughs> you think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame though? Yeah, I, I think. I, I think he probably will. Yeah. All right. I guess that's it for the NFL. Um, good job. Guys. So, NBA time. Um, I'll give them a little break. So, there's a lot of Knicks stuff to discuss. Um, a lot of different ways to take this, but basically David Fisdale was fired this week. Um, I feel that... Um, I've learned some more stuff than the video after the video that came out. There's some rumors that he got into some altercations with some of the players. One of them was not really physical, but basically was one of the players shoved him, and then they got into a little fight with each other. I don't know what happened, but I feel that I still definitely feel that David Fisdale should have gotten some more chances with the Knicks. I feel that he wasn't able to implement what he actually wanted to. I think that James Dolan put pressure on the Knicks. Uh, front office and of co- then of course David Fisdale to win games because that's all James Dolan cares about which is good to some degree but also he's always impatient whenever the Knicks try to rebuild and that's always why the Knicks can never 
fully get to the heights that they could. I mean, they gave up with the whole Chris stops Porzingis thing really quickly. Obviously, there was other things involved. But how the season has went, it started off with Kevin Knox not starting, which I don't understand at all. And players like Marcus Morris and Taj Gibson, while they definitely do give them the most opportunity to win, obviously they have four wins, so that's not really working. And they need to give these play these younger players time to develop. And I think James Dolan is just wants them to win, but they're not going to win if they don't give if they don't act with a little patience for a little bit and let these players develop. I feel that. Um, Everyone had this sense of optimism with the Knicks going into the season because we felt like we finally had a direction. Um, after they lost out on the big free agents, it seemed like, okay, now's the time to rebuild. They're not going to get any huge free agents the next couple of years. So take the time now to rebuild. And then James Dolan just said, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to use our oldest players to try and win. And that didn't work out. And I think that's why David Fisdale was fired because it just didn't work out and I'm still upset with him being fired. I think he had the right mindset, but I, mean, I guess I don't know all of the details, so there's still more to come out with that. How do you guys feel about that? I think... Uh, oh, go ahead. You, you can go. Uh, I mean, I think it's always going to be tough to be a GM or an owner of a New York sports team just because, you know, New Yorkers are so... Oh, we gotta win now! You know, the you know, especially with the Knicks. Knicks fans got so much pride. Um, they just they just want to win. You know, that that's the bottom line. Just win games, win championships. And I think a lot of New York teams haven't been doing that. And because of that, I feel like the the owners and management feel a lot of pressure, especially when it comes to the Knicks, just because it's an organization that I feel like, out of all our sports teams, I think New Yorkers truly want their basketball team to do well. Um, I think what what the Knicks really have to do is focus on getting talent before coaching. In my opinion, I think they've just had such an issue with bringing in talent that coaching was... We, we never could really see how much of an issue coaching was because we never really had the talent to go with it anyways. I think um, right now they should be focused on bringing in players. I think they have uh, good young talent, especially in RJ. I think the one of the first things they should do right now is bring in a couple veterans that RJ would get really get along with really well. Um, maybe they can help him shape his game. I think it's all about the players right now. I think New York should focus on bringing in players, um, whether they be veterans, uh, rookies, you know, just players that they can use in the future, players they, they, they can use now. I think they just have to diversify their portfolio, um, you know, just get guys around these young guys and have these old, you know, older guys bring some culture to the team. I think the Knicks, um, their their coaching is not an issue right now. I think they have to focus on bringing in talent. I think the coaching excuse has been used for too long, and I don't think that it's an issue of coaching anymore. I think it is an issue of the front office not being able to bring in talent or retain talent. Yeah, I totally agree with Richard that like ownership and and front and front management like those those are your real issues. I don't really know what you expected out of Fizdale this year. When you look at Fizdale as a coach, right, you're not looking at an X and O's type of guy. You're looking at a motivator, a guy that's that's going to take talented players and he's going to elevate their game. Um, and he may even, you know, he may even develop talent, right? But he's not going to. He's not a, a guy that's really going to uh, win games with a bad roster. I don't think that's necessarily his role there. 
Um, in, in terms of like, if you're looking, and that was that was my major complaint that I, or the major complaint that, complaint that I saw about him was that you know the the sets that the Knicks, Knicks were running were really the issue. And again, it, it's like I, you could run a million sets with these guys. It, it, the talent of the Knicks have on the roster right now, it's just it's not going to be enough to win for them. At the same time, I really don't understand what firing Fizdale really does for them because they're not going to get a head start on on the coaching search because it's so early in the season. And if the Knicks were better, like what what does that do for them? The Knicks were obviously not going to be a playoff team this year. If they play better, then you're just losing opportunity at, at draft stock. And that's that's all the really Knicks really need. The, the way that Knicks played after they didn't get Zion and after they they didn't get any free agents this, this summer. The Knicks set themselves up for the 20, I forget it was the 2022, I think it's 2022, 2023, I can't remember which year it is, yeah, uh, that, that free agency free agency spot. In order, to, they'll get the good free agents there, they'll draft until then, and that's when the Knicks will become a dynasty again. And that's kind of how they set themselves up. They set themselves up to start building a culture, to start acquiring talent, and they kind of just, I think they listened to the fans a little bit too much, and they kind of imploded everything, all the positives they had going there. I really don't know what direction the Knicks really want to go right now because who's a, who's an available coach that's it's really going to help them win right now? I, I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and again, with, with basketball, I think coaching is important. But in basketball, you have five guys on the court, and at the end of the day, especially basketball, the talent you have on the court it matters a lot. And if the, if the Knicks don't have you know comparable talent, then they're just they're not going to win games. Yeah. A couple things. Um, first off, uh, yes, it definitely depends on the players, but. Going out and signing veterans is definitely important, and I like when teams do that, but with how the Knicks have used their veterans recently, I'm not a fan of like when they're just blocking younger players from developing further, and I think that having those uh, role models on the team are important, but not when they're blocking other players, like I said. Um, something Nick said. What? I don't remember. Um... But yeah, I feel that um, it's kind of interesting right now. They have Mike Miller as their head coach, their interim head coach, and he won the G League uh, Coach of the Year last year with the Westchester Knicks. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if maybe he's a solution. But like Richard said, I don't think coaching is the problem. I think it's definitely players. And yeah, I guess that's it. Is there anything else for the Knicks? Yeah, I think that's it for the Knicks. I'm just annoyed again, um, like I always am with the with my teams in general. Uh, um, that's the struggle for coming from New York and liking sports. <laughs> Unless you're a Yankees fan, you're really just struggling out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'll move on to my Rockets. Unless anything else, anybody else, anything else? Um. In terms of the Rockets, they've been they've been all right this season. I think they could definitely be better, but they haven't been bad. Um, Jay, in terms of like the, the past, let's let's look at the last like five game stretch. Harden has not been performing as well. Teams are starting to double team him even harder now. Um, I forget what team it was. It was a team we played as of late, and they started double teaming him at half court no matter what. And I think his assist totals are going to start to go up, but his his points have started to drop. Um, I think mean, James Harden, in my opinion, as I said it last week, I think he's like the. You know, next to maybe like Wilt Chamberlain and and some other players, he's the best score the NBA has ever seen. And also, Russell Westbrook's kind of picked up his game as of late, which is a good sign to see because he's really the guy that the Rockets are looking to get us over the hump to get us to the championship. 
instead of losing to the Warriors, which I don't think we're going to do this year, thank God. I'm tired of the Warriors beating us in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook taking that step up is a good sign for the Rockets. I think the Rockets, um, I think they just have a little bit to figure out. Uh, still relatively early in the season, mm-hmm. um, especially for these top teams in the, in the West. I feel like it's going to be very close coming to the end of the season. I think the end of the season is going to be huge. And I think as long as the Rockets, at some point this season can find a way to really synergize well. Um, I think I, I totally agree with you with uh, expecting James Harden's assist numbers to go up. Um, as long as I feel like as as long as James Harden is fine with not scoring and just trying to win the game, I think I think as long as everyone plays unselfish ball on that team, that they, they have a chance to go very far. They have so much talent. Um, yeah, I mean... Honestly, there aren't many negatives coming from the uh, the the Rockets. I think they just have to they just, they just have to keep playing together. Um, just give us some more time, especially Russell Westbrook coming from you know pretty much playing by himself in OKC to you know coming to the Rockets having to share the ball with a couple people. I th- I think it'll be tough on everyone, but I think by the by mid season they should be looking very good. Mm-hmm. And going off of that, like. Some of the pieces that Rockets have added this year really helped uh, Ben McElmore, uh, uh House. They've been really good additions off the bench for them. Uh, Eric Gordon's been kind of injured, but he's on a decline. But he's still a solid player. So, again, like their bench talent is really good. And I think the number one thing that we're seeing in this year's Rockets versus last year's, I think the Rockets' defense has improved a lot. Um, they're, they're playing cohesive defense, and it's really helping them look better as a team. Right now, it hasn't translated too much to the win-loss column, but I think it will over time translate to the win-loss column. So it's good to see the Rockets pick it up on the defensive end for once. Yeah. I mean, James Harden's defense has only been getting better this past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at the steal numbers. I mean, James Harden, I think, is... is generational player. I mean, this, this, Mm -hmm. this man will score on you. He will strip the ball out of... I mean... I can't wait to see where James Harden's career is in a couple of years. I, I think he's going to be really... He's just going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I guess that's... And Is there anything else you want to add for NBA? I think that might be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just move on to some college. Um, All-around college stuff. Um, Nick, you want to take that away? Uh, sure. I guess I'm going to start with the, the FCS... Uh, no, S, yeah, the... FCS college playoffs, um, which again is the lower division of of uh, Division One college football. But since Villanova's in it, I like to talk about it a little bit. There's also there's a lot of talent that comes out of, out of the FCS, that, especially like quarterback talent. Like uh, so, you know, starting off with the bracket, uh, we had North Dakota State versus Nickel State play this week. And if you don't, if you you know, audiences remember, uh, Carson Wentz was drafted out of North Dakota State, and they get a lot of talent out of that team every single year. So they're going to move on to the, uh, I guess it's the semifinals, I guess, now. Because there's, there's a lot of rounds. And then you had we had Central Arkansas versus Illinois State. Uh, Illinois State wins. They were an unranked opponent going into the playoffs. And now they are going against number one seed, North Dakota State. So they've definitely had two ups, they've had two upsets in a row. Uh, going down on the bracket, we had Montana State versus Albany. Uh, Montana State wins. They're going to be versus Austin PA, which Austin PA had uh, an upset against Sacramento State. 
Um, so those, those are your, your bracket on the on the left side, and on the right side, uh, James Madison destroyed Mammoth. So James James Madison, and they're going to be versing UNI, who upset uh, South Dakota State. And on the bottom half of the right side of the bracket, we have Montana versus Southeastern Louisiana. Southeastern Louisiana beat Villanova by a point, and they got destroyed by Montana, seventy-three to twenty-eight. So I can't imagine what would have happened to Villanova played them. Thank God we didn't win. Uh, and then on the final part of the bracket, we have Webster State versus Keenesaw State, and Webster State pulled it out. So you're gonna have Montana and Webster State. Um, so as the FCS, there's a there's a large gap in talent in the SES, kind of like the FBS. Um, North Dakota State and James Madison University, they have they have so much talent on those rosters, like a lot of NFL talent on those rosters. And, and at the end of the day, like when you're looking at FCS teams versus FBS teams, it comes down to the amount of money that they want to put into the program. Obviously, F- FBS teams are a lot better, but you know te- teams like North Dakota State and James Madison, they can be they're teams that can compete in, in the FBS, but they choose not to put money into the programs so they can stay in FCS and they'll win natties down there. So. You know, I think the SES deserves a little bit more respect, but you know, beyond that, um, I'm excited to, to to see what happens with the rest of the the, the bracket for the playoffs. There, um, you guys have any comments about the FCS playoffs? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll move on to FBS, which everybody knows about and is is a little more exciting, I'd say, for the casual fans. Um, in terms of the bowl games that were really mattered, we had Georgia and we had LSU. LSU pulled out th- their bowl game or their, their championship game, uh, and then we had Wisconsin and we had Ohio State, which was another one, and uh, Ohio State pulled that out. Um, so there weren't any like two, there wasn't any major upsets in, in in championship games that that really mattered. Um, but at the end of the day, you know. W- Bowl games are cool, but at, you know the most important thing is the college football playoffs. And today was Selection Sunday, so if you guys don't know, the order was uh, Oklahoma State took the fourth slot, which is kind of interesting because they just got Jalen Hurts. Uh, three slot, we had Clemson. Two slot was Ohio State, and then one slot was LSU. So if you're looking at who's going to play who, uh, you're going to have LSU versus Oklahoma State in the first round of the playoffs, and on the other side, you're going to have Clemson versus Ohio State. Um so th- those are those before uh, I'll let you guys get into it in a second. I'm just going to give a little bit of my opinions on, on the four selections. Um, I definitely think it's interesting how Oklahoma State uh, got back into it. Jalen Hurts has been a little kind of inconsistent this year, but at the end of the day, you can't really you can't really uh, knock him. He, he's been to the playoff. He's the only quarterback in, I think, in playoff history, and that is that there's four teams in college football playoffs, uh, FBS. He's the only quarterback that's ever been to the playoffs on two separate teams. So you can't really knock Jalen Hurts there. He should be a draft pick after this year. Uh, and then Ohio State and LSU, I think that LSU deserved the higher slot strictly just because they beat better opponents later in the season, and that's why they got their one slot. Both teams are equally talented, and it's a coin flip who would win those games. And then in terms of Clemson, I think they're a really hard team to judge because they haven't faced too many AC, uh, ranked opponents. ACC is pretty bad. Um, I, I do think that Clemson is good, but I'd probably say they're the – weakest of the teams going into the playoffs because they haven't been battle tested as much um but i I think we're going to see an ohio state lsu championship and i guess that's my little rundown of bfbs uh you guys uh i mean yeah i mean this is college football playoffs so i I mean it it seems like it's gonna be lsu osu but um honestly i feel like all these teams 
just have such a good chance of making a run. Um, you bring up Clemson coming for the ACC. Obviously, they're not a great division, but um, or not a great conference. But you know, Clemson, Clemson is just one of those teams. They always come out of them, uh, come out, come out of the ACC, and they're always they're they're still always competing for, in the playoffs. Um, I think I think a big thing about Clemson is that because they're so they're coming out of such a weak uh, conference. I think it's really interesting once you once they get to the playoffs because I feel like that's where they really have to turn it up. I I think it's it, for for them that's where you see the the, the real Clemson team uh, come out and you you can really only judge that team once they start playing in the playoffs. So I mean I guess we'll see. It looks like it's going to be a really good really good playoff this year. Brian? Uh, yeah, I have nothing to add in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I guess moving on from there, uh, I feel like there's a lot that's, that's moving around in terms of uh, college basketball. Um, I'm, I'll just go with the little tidbits that I will, I'll add, and then I think uh, Richard would want to talk about it after. Uh, in terms of like the AP poll rankings, I think like notable things to, to, to take note of are that Louisville's still at number one. Uh, Maryland's at three, which they were a pretty solid team last year, but the fact that they jumped to three this year is kind of interesting. Uh, Michigan, who was originally unranked coming into the season, or I think they were ranked and they lost and they got unranked. They jumped 29 spots. They're back at the four slot again. Um, which, uh, outside of that, there's not too many teams that jump too far. That's, that's of uh, overly importance. Um, I think an interesting game, I think the game of the week was uh, you had Virginia versus North Carolina, which they played today. And they, and I think the final score was like sixty to. I think it was lower than that. I can't. I can't even remember what the score was. Um, but either way, like the, whenever Virginia plays a team, it's such so such low scoring. The the basketball that Virginia plays is like no other team that you're gonna find uh, around college basketball. Like discipline, uh, all about defense. Big fire truck. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna meet my. That's fine. <laughs> uh, huge fire truck, but. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think again, like they're they're uh, they're such a unique team. I think they're pretty interesting. Um, and then to round off what I have to say, it's just like Villanova basketball. Uh, we won again. Uh, was it yesterday against St. Joe's? Kind of a close game than we wanted to, but uh, we're ranked twenty three in the nation. I'm hoping. Like my ultimate goal for the Villanova team this year is to get a, a three seed in the March Madness, which is possible. We have a lot of young talent this year, and I'm just hoping that we can play as a team and continue to grow. Um, so yeah, that, that is my uh, college basketball play uh, rundown for the week. Um, I mean, personally, I'm really looking forward to this season, um, especially with the start. Um, I recently read a, a stat that said something like, um, I think out of the past 18 tournaments or something, um, one seeds pretty much do not lose in their first 10 games at all. And I think... Only, only a couple, I think only two teams lost in their first 10 games and were a first seed. Other than that, no one else has been able to get that first seed losing their ten, first 10 games. I think um, Duke is going to be an interesting team this year. Uh, they don't look as strong as they usually do. Um, Michigan State was huge favorite, but it looks like they, they, they have stuff to figure out. Yeah, five um, I didn't even know I didn't even know they were that bad. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm... Um, I think this season, a lot of the teams that are usually very good are kind of kind of subpar. So, uh, I think this tournament is going to really open up for a lot of the other teams. Uh, I think 
couple teams will be able to make some nice Cinderella runs. And yeah, I mean, really looking forward to this year college basketball. Um, that's all college stuff, right? Um... Anything else? I believe it is, yeah. Okay. Um, so a little boxing this week. How exciting. So Yeah, this is, this is something that I wanted to add, because yeah. I'm, like, I'm not overly into boxing, but, like, certain boxing matches I really get into. Um, so the boxing match that was, like, really big this week was Andy Ruiz Jr. versus, uh... Joshua, I forget his, his, his last name. I, I just Anthony I Joshua. Joshua. Yeah, Anthony Joshua. I, I don't know why. I can't remember if Anthony comes before or after Joshua, but it's Anthony <laughs> Joshua. Uh, they had their heavyweight championship rematch. If the audience doesn't remember uh, from last year, we had Andy Ruiz Jr. challenge Joshua last year, and he upset him. Uh, Joshua had the belt last year, and uh, Ruiz upset him. And then we look at the the battle or the the, the fight that what happened was it yesterday, I believe. Uh, Joshua came back and won his title back. Uh, personally, I really love Andy Ruiz Jr. He's my favorite boxer. Um, I just think he's like such an interesting guy because he's so he's so out of shape yet is like he's such a good fighter. And like me being a little bit overweight myself, when when overweight people get a W, we all get a W. So, <laughs> um, so it's it's fun to watch, watch him box. Um, I think what really hurt him it was that apparently he gained like 16 pounds since his last weigh in in like August. He weighed like two. He weighed in this fight. He's like six one. He weighed like two eighty three, yeah. versus Joshua, who lost a little bit of weight and focused more about fighting than weightlifting. Like Joshua was in really good shape, and and Ruiz just likes to eat tacos. Huh. So it's like you kind of expected him to lose, but Ruiz is such a good fighter. So I don't know. I find it really interesting that Ruiz is able to compete on such a high level at the weight and like health that he is. Um, do you guys have any comments about that? <laughs> um, I guess I. I actually paid attention a little bit to this box. I didn't watch it, but um, I kind of hmm, how to say this nicely. I was rooting for Anthony Joshua. Um, I feel <laughs> Andy Ruiz deserved to win last time, but like everyone saw that it was Ant- like Ant- Anthony Joshua was much more in shape, and he was I feel like put much more into his training compared to Andy Ruiz. Mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't there, and I can't say for sure, but. It seems like Anthony Joshua cared more, and I guess that might seem unfair, but I'm going to go and say that. Um, Andy Ruiz, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. Also, you shouldn't be listening to us. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's basically it. From you got anything, Richard? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I wish I did, though. I wish I did. From that, um, a little controversial topic this week. Usually they're more broad, but... Um, for this week, we wanted to talk about the James Harden dunk. I guess, um, Nick, do you want to provide a little background on it? Uh, sure. So, uh, there was a game last week. We had the Spurs versus the Rockets. The Rockets had a pretty decent lead. They were up by 17, almost 21 point in the game. Uh, eventually, long story short, the Rockets ended up blowing it. They went to overtime, and the Rockets lost in overtime. Uh, was it double typical, overtime or one overtime? Yeah, I think it was double overtime. Okay. Typical Rockets move. We, we blow a lot of leads. That's been one of our major issues this year. We just go on terrible runs, but I digress. Uh, the issue is is that, you know, keeping in mind that the game went to overtime, there was a play where James Harden stole the ball. He was open by himself on one, his own side of the court, and he dunked the ball through. It went through the net, came back up through the net, and, you know, from the naked eye in a really quick moment, it looked like the ball didn't go through. But if you take a good look at it in, in replay, or even, you know, even from the naked eye, it, it, you could see it too. Uh, that the ball actually did go through the net. So, essentially, the point should have counted, 
but the rest counted it as the ball not going through. I guess just be based off the naked eye. And if you would have counted that basket, if you do the math, obviously the fact that they went into overtime, the Rockets would have won the game. Now, in my personal opinion about it, um, it also I guess before I do that, a little bit more background. Um, the the Rockets wound up calling a timeout very recently after the dunk, and uh, uh, Mike D'Antoni, Rockets coach, tried to challenge the call on, on that, that that the ball actually did go through, and apparently he waited too long in the timeout to do so. Um, I, I don't, I really don't know what the rules are around it, and I think that's part of the problem. Uh, no, it's my personal opinion. I think the rules surrounding challenges is a really big issue. Um, the, the, the coaches really don't know the rules, and the fact that I don't know the rules is, is all right, but the fact that the coaches don't know the rules is really bad because they're coaches, right? I think that the NBA needs to take their time, and they really need to make these rules clear to the coaches because the, the coaches don't know what's challengeable and versus what is. Uh, the, the challenges have been really wishy-washy. I, I, you know, the, there needs to be more consistency around the, what the coaches can challenge. I think that's the key, and it needs to be explained better to them. Um, I, in terms of like what's going to happen about it, because the Rockets did put a complaint, and apparently Adam Silver has time to say whether they're going to replay the game or it's going to like count as X, Y, and Z. I feel like the, the NBA should just let it go and just take an initiative to make better, make a change into the future, and just make the rules clear. You know, to go back and replay that game, I think would just be kind of crazy because people paid for those tickets, and there's something in the media. There's there's so much that goes into just having one game, and the replay of that game would just be kind of ludicrous. I think just again, take the initiative to make the rules clear and just move move on from here and just try to make it better for the rest of the NBA. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I think the the NBA uh, is handling this pretty well. Um, I think the only thing they really can do right now, and the only thing they should do, is really make sure this doesn't become, you know, like a really weird, um, I guess, precedent. Um, they they should really come out and make, like, make things as clear as possible, um, especially in terms of challenging. I think, I think one of the things that's tough about um, having a challenge option or the option to challenge a play in sports, because um, you see this all the time in football, too. Um, I feel like a lot of, 99.9% .9 of the time, um, there's always going to be someone who wants the other side of the call, right? Um, so, to every person, every play looks different. I feel like the fact that we go back and look at it in slow motion, frame by frame, actually makes things a little less clear for us. I think, um, I think in terms of challenging, by adding another person, uh, you know, making things more unclear, I think it just ruins the game. Um, I think the league should be more vigilant on going after those calls and it shouldn't be up to the coaches because officiating I feel is totally the league's responsibility and they, they should be making sure that the integrity of the game is maintained. And I think the Rockets losing that two points in that moment. Um, I honestly can't say that it would have helped them win or it would have led to anything, but in the, in the moment they didn't get those points. Um, I think, the integrity of that game was totally compromised, and I think I think that's the issue that the NFL should, I mean, the NBA should be most concerned about. Yeah, um, <laughs> looking at it, I would say that it definitely doesn't make sense for them to redo the game, redo the game from where it was. Obviously, they are there are two points, and if you look at statistically the math, they should have won because of that. But obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it, like. 
fouling towards the end of the game if they need those extra two points and momentum. Yeah, anything like like there are a lot of uh, factors that go into two other points and from both sides of the coin. But I feel like it's it wasn't like it was the last two minutes of the game. It was it was in the final quarter, but it, there was still a lot of time left, and I don't think it would have had that big of an influence. And I can't say that it would be fair for Adam Silver to redo that. Um, from that, I guess that's it for this podcast. A very long podcast, but that's okay. Covered a lot of stuff. Um, Richard's new to this, so um, at the end, I like to give you guys an opportunity to do like some final words or whatever. So I'll let Nick go, so Richard has a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little, a little bit to go off of, a little bit to think about. Um, sure. Uh, I just want to say, like, thank you, Richard, for for joining our podcast. I think it's really nice to have a fresh voice, especially in the NFL section, where I kind of just I've been going off and off about like each week. I kind of get repetitive about things I'm saying because you know not much changes from week to week, but to have a fresh voice on that's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, outside of that, uh, for any of these, I actually view Mexico. I hope he does better, comes back uh, next year. And I guess my final word outside of what I'm but my usual finish is that uh, RIP Juice World, kind of sad. I liked him as an artist. Uh, kind of sucks sure. dying at the age of 21. So RIP. Hope hit, uh, my condolences to him and his family. Don't forget, um, Big Bird's voice actor died too. Yeah, also, also he died. Rip. Um, outside of that, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As you guys know, it's a thing we try to work on each week to make it better. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, leave them down in the comments below. Uh, you can contact me at nicholashorvath10 at yahoo.com. That's my email. Uh, you can contact me on Instagram at nick.horvath. And you can find me on Twitter at nickhorvath61. Um, I'll hand it over to whoever's going next, but uh, see you guys next week. All right. Um, I'll just say thank you guys for having me on this podcast. And uh, I really look forward to doing more of these with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, this is my first time really, like, talking about this stuff, uh, I guess, in a podcast setting. But, um, yeah, I mean, really had a good time with you guys. Um, and the only thing I really want to say is I really hope the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. I really hope Jerry Jones is listening to this right now. <laughs> Same thing I said about Andrew Ruiz. Jerry Jones, pick something better to do with your time um, if you're listening to this. Um, off of that. Thank you, Richard, for joining us. Um, it's been a while since we had a third member, so it's nice to have a new voice, like Nick said. Um, from that, let me think. I like to do some logistical stuff. Uh, we're really working on getting our Instagram, um, working on point of views and stuff like that. So look for more of that to come out. Obviously, daily content on our YouTube. Um, I'm thinking, because these... Uh, podcasts are getting longer i probably will take them off of youtube and just focus on spotify and apple Podcasts because it will take up a lot of room and i don't want i don't really think anyone's going to click on a on an hour and 30 minute video when there's no actual visual um other than that um we'll be back next week with an oh one more thing i am officially a contributor to fan siding so i'm writing articles for them so you can go check out some articles there um, but right now focus on the sport universe. I'm just mentioning that you can go read those articles. Um, other than that, we'll be back next week. Uh, let us know what you thought of this in the comments. Like you guys always write in the comments. That was once again, sarcasm. You guys never write in the comments, so please do. Um, 
Actually, I don't. Are there comments on Spotify? I don't think there are. But whatever. Yeah. I digress. Um, check out our videos on YouTube. Um, if you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, graphic design, anything like that, contact us at thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.